Well, good morning, Forest Park Church. How are we feeling? Are we excited to be here? Awesome. Hey, if I've never gotten the chance to meet you, my name's Evan. Uh, and like my dad so graciously uh, introduced me, I am his son. So grateful to be able to be here. Uh, my wife, Emily, and I, we're visiting from Corpus Christi, Texas. And so we're at the bottom of the country, uh, the surface of the sun in the middle of the summer. And so we're here visiting and we uh, are super excited to be able to be here. Like my dad said, we brought Cash and Caden with us, our two grandbabies, uh, not my grandbabies, his grandbabies, uh, our sons. And so we're grateful to be able to be here for this opportunity uh, uh, and so I just know that there are so many different places that you could be this morning. You could be at home. Uh, you could be watching online. You could be uh, getting ready for any sports games today if that's uh, what you want. But you're here with us today. And so we're very grateful for you. Uh, I can say from the bottom of my heart that I'm happy that you're here. I grew up in this church. Uh, I walked the halls of this church before this building was ever even here. And so I am just grateful and honored to be able to have this opportunity, whether you're watching here in person or online. We're just grateful that you are a part of today's services. And I'm believing that God's going to speak to us in a really big way. Today's one of those messages that uh, if we had 15 services, I would be excited because I would preach it 15 times. This is one uh, that speaks to my heart. And my hope for you today is that it speaks to you wherever you are, whatever walk of life that you're bringing in with you today at Forest Park. My hope is that it'll speak to you and it will encourage you today. Uh, but before we do that, He's probably gonna get me for this, okay? But I, I just wanna honor Pastor Scott. We are grateful for him at Church Unlimited. Um, if you're here for the first time, or maybe you would call Church, uh, excuse, I almost said Church Unlimited, excuse me. Uh, if we would call Forest Park Church your home, um, you know, if you stick around here long enough, you are going to learn God in a way that you might not ever uh, do so without Pastor Scott. And so can we just give it up for him this morning and his leadership? I'm grateful for him, uh, and you wouldn't believe how many phone calls he answers from me uh, because he is just still my dad. Even though he's pastor, he's still my dad. And so uh, with all that being said, I don't want to waste any time this morning uh, because I feel like God has a word for you. I really, really do. Um, in Eastern North Carolina, we're excited. We're here, and uh, God has a word for all of us. And so if you're here this morning and you have your Bibles or you're following along online, I would love for you to pull them out. Uh, if you don't, don't worry. Everything's going to be on here on the screen behind me. Uh, but we're going to be in John chapter 6 today, uh, and we're going to start in the 22nd verse. And here's the deal, okay? I am not going to apologize for what I'm about to say, okay? We are getting ready to read 49 verses together this morning, okay? And you're just going to have to deal with it, okay? You're just, you're, there's nothing, you're already here. There's nothing you can do, okay? You're just going to have to deal with it, okay? And here's the reason why we are going to do this. It's going to be a lot of scripture. I'm going to be honest with you. But the reason why we're doing this is because I want you to hear Jesus' tone in this message. He's preaching a message to people. I'm going to give you some context, but I want you to hear how Jesus is preaching to these people, because it's very important. If you read your Bible pretty consistently, maybe you wake up in the morning, maybe you have your quiet time at night, whatever that looks like for you. If you read big passages of scripture, then you tend to read it in your own voice, right? And so what happens is you can lose the tone of how Jesus preaches. But this morning, I want to read this big chunk of scripture because I don't want you to miss how Jesus is talking to the people that he's talking to, okay? I'm going to do 
do it fun. I'm going to keep your attention. It's going to be, I'm about to catch all of you guys up on three months of your quiet time. Okay. 49 verses. It's going to be great. So just to give you some context, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Okay. That's just 5,000 men. That's not including women and children. So we're looking at like 12 to 10, 10 to 12,000 people that Jesus has just fed with a boy's lunch. Okay. It is a miraculous sign that has happened. Maybe you know that story. Okay. So this is just taking place the day before and these people, they want to make him the king. Okay. They want to make him king of their life, but they want to force that on Jesus without him having to pay for it. And so what he does is he's like, he's like listen, uh, I'm going to pay a price, but it's not going to be with this boy's lunch. I'm going to pay a price with my body, uh, but I'm not going to do that right now. It's not my time. And so I'm going to escape to the other side of the lake. His disciples have no idea where he is. They get on a sea, right? The sea of Galilee, a big storm breaks out. Jesus calms it. Now it's the very next day. Okay. 24 hours later, very next day. And we're going to pick it up in verse 22. And I want you to see how Jesus feels and speaks to the people that he has just done a miraculous sign for one day before. Okay. And seen. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. That's the 5,000. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side and they said, Rabbi, when, when did you get here? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. Well, good morning to you, Jesus. Good morning. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What, what should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Pause for a second. How fast can these people get amnesia, right? I mean, one day before, he just fed all of these people with a boy's lunch. And now they're like, show us a miraculous sign. What can you do? Verse 31, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people begin to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread of heaven, uh, excuse me, bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, 
Because he's saying God, and that doesn't make sense. Like, isn't this the son of Joseph? Because, I mean, we know his mother and father. They live right over the bridge in Camden. Like, they live right, they live right down the street. Like, isn't this Joseph? This makes no sense. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. Jesus woke up on the wrong side of the boat. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent them, sent me, draws them to me. And the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anybody has ever seen the Father. Only I who was sent by God has seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other, and they said, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. You guys are doing great. We're almost done. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die, even though they ate manna, excuse me, as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but they will live forever. He said these things while, they were te- while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anybody accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does, does, does this offend you? Like, really, does it offend you? Then, then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend into heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, this is why that I said people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, please don't miss this, okay? At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Guys, is this not a great answer? I mean, Jesus has just pushed away, essentially, all of these people. And Peter is making an incredible declaration saying, where else would we go? But then listen to what Jesus says. He says, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. Ladies and gentlemen, you just got through 49 verses. Give it up for yourself today. Good job. So proud. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd love for you to write this down. But the title of this morning's message is Disciples Make Decisions. Okay? Disciples Make Decisions. 
One of the things that I love so much about Jesus's leadership style is that there's no guessing with Jesus, okay? He is straight to the point. And that's sort of the problem that I have with how the world has portrayed Jesus, right? We get one of two ways. We either get this happy-go-lucky Jesus that's so happy all the time and he's jumping through the meadow and his grace is sufficient. And no matter what we do, all is okay. Sin is okay. No consequences. Everything is great. That's number one. But number two, we get this stoic version of Jesus that's only about his father's business, right? Don't ask anything about Jesus or from Jesus because he's only about his father's business. Hey, Jesus, do you want dinner? No, I'm only about my father's business, right? We get one of two ways about Jesus, okay? But here's what I want all of you to understand, okay? Jesus isn't either or, Jesus is both and, Okay, Jesus is uh, the Alpha Omega. He's the lion and the lamb. And to me, it is amazing who Jesus turns into the lamb for and who he turns into the lion for. Jesus is the lamb for those who don't know him, but he's the lion for those of him who have decided to make a decision to stay on the path of coming more like him. And what we see in this big chunk of scripture that we just read is Jesus's leadership style at getting down to the best of the best of the disciples. He's forcing them to make a decision. Jesus has had a group of men here who have been following him probably for about 12 to 18 months. And in a span of about three and a half years, he has to get these guys ready to declare him in a way that transforms their life. The truth is that that's not really a lot of time to take tax collectors and fishermen and then to make them declare that Jesus is Lord. It's not really that much time. And so in this big chunk of scripture that we just read, this uh, is a perfect example of Jesus forcing and pushing his disciples to make a decision. Can I tell you this morning, Forest Park, that if you wanna be a disciple of Jesus, you are going to have to make tough decisions over and over again. Not every day, I don't want you to think that every day is gonna be hell on earth, okay? But Jesus is going to force you and push you to make tough decisions that will be the difference between following him and not following him. Jesus has just fed a crowd of over 5,000 men, like I just said, not really 5,000, way more than that, 10 to 12,000 with a boy's lunch. And they have been so blessed by him that they wanna make him king right then, right there. And he's like, listen, that's not the way I'm gonna do this. Again, I'm gonna pay a price with my body. It's not gonna be this lunch. And so he escapes the disciples, right? Uh, and they're like, where is this guy? And they don't know where he is. A storm breaks out. He's walking on the water. They're like, ah, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, it's not a ghost. It's me, go meet me right over there. And so it's the next day, all these people that just realize that this is the person that has fed us, he's he's over there, and so we're gonna go over there, and this is how I think that leaders of today would act, okay? They would be like, yes, the food drive work, boys. They're all back. They, They all made it back. They're coming back. Listen, we fed them. They're hungry again. We'll feed them again. Maybe they'll receive me. Then we're just gonna keep it moving. This is the best plan ever. I mean, you have people in boats rowing back to come to Jesus, no doubt, to hear more from him and maybe even get another blessing. And rather than this warm welcome that most leaders would provide, Jesus is like, really? I mean, you're not even here for the reason that I want you here. You're just here because you're hungry. And they're like, show us something. We want to see a sign. I mean, again, how quickly can they forget They had a miraculous lunch yesterday, not 24 hours later, and they want something else. 
And Jesus is like, listen, okay, the only thing that you really need to do here is you need to have a relationship with my father. And they're like, well, show us something because our forefather Moses, you might know Moses, maybe you don't. uh, He gave us manna from heaven, right? And Jesus is like, no, he didn't. Moses didn't do that. My dad did. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Joseph, the, the carpenter. And then they start this conversation back and forth between what they actually see, but what Jesus actually knows. Because here's the thing. These people are begging Jesus to show them more and more signs. And again, I don't know if Jesus just woke up on the wrong side of the boat or something like this, but it was almost like Jesus wasn't impressed that they were there. He wanted to vet why they were there. He didn't want them just to be there. He wanted them to know what was what attracted you to me, the fact that I fed you, or was it that you had a true revelation of who I actually am? Then Jesus starts on this metaphor and he's like, bread that came down from heaven. And they're like, yeah, Jesus, bread from heaven. We get it, I understand. But then Jesus, okay, he goes from what is metaphor to what is very, very literal and very weird, very fast, okay? He says, listen, hey, let's just cut to the chase here, okay? If you like don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. Like, like maybe you missed it, okay? Like if you, if you don't like eat my body and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. Like if you don't like chew me up and gulp me down, you can't follow me. Like, hold on, wait, he says it like six times. If you don't like chew on me, and like chase me with my blood, you cannot follow me. Now, here's the deal. If you've been coming to church for any amount of time, you understand that we have this thing called communion, right? As a symbol of Jesus's body. But you gotta understand that at this point, he hadn't died yet. Jesus hadn't died. So the people in this message has no other choice than to take Jesus literally. And in my opinion, I can't can't imagine that this really isn't a point in Jesus's message where he would get a lot of amens, you know? He's in the synagogue preaching. He's telling people that his father already knows the people that he's supposed to have, and I'm not gonna lose any of them. And by the way, eat me. That's not really a point where people would wave hankies and go, amen, eat them, go ahead, Right? That's offensive now, (laughs) that's offensive then. You gotta understand something, okay? Jesus, what he was doing was so radical that his disciples left. Think about that. It's offensive then, it's 2024, right? And five of y'all were like, can he say that on stage? I mean, eat me. These people are like, wait, 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 wait. Isn't this Joseph's son? What is he saying? He's like, stop complaining about what I said. And then they're like, this is so hard to understand. And he's like, wait, 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 is this offensive to you? Because if it is, how are you going to act when the son of man ascends into heaven? Y'all listen, I couldn't have been there. I could not have been there because I would have been like, hey, Jesus, the whole ascension thing is cool. Like, I'd love to see you fly for real. But it's the whole eating you part that I got a problem with. I don't, I don't really understand this. We got people listening to this message and they're like, this is so hard to understand. What does this mean? And this is where Jesus breaks rank with other leaders, right? He just throws it out there and he doesn't explain himself. This is a point where most pastors today would say, hey, listen, if you have a problem with this, you can give us a phone call. You can get some clarification. You can email us in. But he's like, no, no, that's what I said. Figure it out. 
You got to make a decision whether or not you're going to follow. And this says right here that at this point, many of his disciples left. Not the crowd, but the disciples left. I assume part of the 70 people that had already gone out, casted out demons, prayed for people. These disciples say that scripture, excuse me, said that they left. They couldn't handle it and Jesus doesn't clarify. But to me, that's shocking. But what's shocking more than that is that Jesus does nothing. He just lets them go. He lets them walk. And what's more shocking is that he turns to the original 12 and says, are, are you also going to go? Because I mean, these people here are leaving. Do you want to go too? Then Peter makes this amazing declaration, like, where else are we going to go? And he's like, great, but one of you is a devil. It's crazy. Crazy. Fourth part, you got to understand that when you walk with Jesus, there are going to be some times where Jesus isn't going to clarify things simply to make you feel better. Sometimes you're going to have to make a decision to follow Jesus, even when it's difficult. Sometimes we need to sit in the uncertainty for us to decide that we need to make a follow or a decision to follow Jesus, whether or not we're really down to step with him. And so this morning I have four points real fast of things that I think is going to encourage you about making some decisions. And I would love for you to write these down. Okay. Number one is this disciples don't always know. Disciples don't always know. John chapter six, verse 60 said this. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? FPC, you gotta understand that there are gonna be times in your life where you absolutely don't know what God is doing. Maybe you've walked with Jesus long enough that there are times in your life where you don't know what's going on, but you're still gonna make a decision to follow him anyway. That's a decision that disciples make. The lunchtime crowd would never make this decision. The ones who are just here for Instagram, the ones who are just here for, for taking pictures of the Bible in my quiet time, like, look, I'm spending time with Jesus. Like, those people would never make this decision because here's the reality, okay? It would automatically put them at an inconvenience. They would be like, hey, listen, can you explain to me what you meant by this whole eat my flesh thing? And Jesus would be like, no. And they would be like, well, here's the deal. This isn't my church. I, I just, I cannot be in a place where I'm uncomfortable, okay? That makes me too uncomfortable and I need to find a place where all my answers can be or all my questions can be answered. But here's what I want you to know, Forest Park, okay? Disciples make a decision that even when they don't know, they are still gonna go because they're still gonna grow. That was bars, man. Let me tell you what, take it to the bank, all right? That's something that you can tweet, put it on Instagram. I'll smile for you. Disciples make a decision that even when they don't know, they're still gonna go because they will still grow. Even if you don't know why you're going through that struggle, even if you don't know why you got that report, even if you don't know why that test came back positive or negative or whatever that looks like for you, you're still going to make a decision to go because you're gonna grow from that decision. Disciples don't always know. Number two is this, please write this down. Disciples can choose to leave, they can. Now, I know this might be a little bit of an uncomfortable point for all of you, but this scripture that we just read said that people who had already believed in Jesus arrived at a place in their walk with him that they said, listen, I can't go any further than this. I can't, can't do it. You have now said something that is so hard for me to stomach, no pun intended, that I'm gonna go ahead and leave. I can't be here. And I know it's a hard thing to understand, but Jesus will let you walk. 
He'll let you go. We sing about his faithfulness. We talk about his grace. But here's what I want you to understand this morning, okay? His faithfulness is wherever he is, not where you are. Jesus' faithfulness is not wherever he is. It's where you are. When Jesus allows someone to walk, it does not mean that he's walked away from you. It means quite literally that you have walked away from him. And what's so powerful is that his leadership style is so direct that if you're going to go, he's going to be like, bye, here, you can go. But I promise to you, I'm going to be here when you get back. But you can make a decision to walk away. I'm not encouraging you to do so, but Jesus is so much of a gentleman that he'll let you do that. He will. I have seen people who have experienced miraculous signs and wonders of Jesus still walk away from a relationship with him. And maybe you know people like that. Maybe there's some people in your life that you know that have had answered prayers. And for whatever reason, they still are living a life that's not with him. I don't know why that happens. But to me, I think it boils down to one thing. And that is a relationship being more than a feeling. A relationship with Jesus being more than a feeling, being something more than you do on a weekend or something that you do more than on a Sunday morning, but, but becoming a relationship that you can't live without. Because the truth is this, if it's easy for you to walk away from Jesus, you probably don't have a relationship with him that you thought you did in the first place. If it's easy for you to say, listen, I just can't do this. This is too difficult. I can't stay here anymore. Then more than likely you don't have the type of relationship that you think that you do. And that's difficult. But you can make a decision to leave. But on the flip side of that, number three is this. Please write this down. Disciples can choose to stay. I love this point so much because this has sort of been me as a follower of Jesus, okay? It's, it's really been me all through college, all since I left Elizabeth City. It's like, hey, Jesus, okay, I don't really understand you right now, but like, whatever, man, okay? Like, where else am I gonna go, <laughs> okay? Um, I don't even really like you right now, if I'm being honest with you, uh, but you haven't answered one prayer in seven months. Uh, I've read every devotional. Jesus calling is great. Uh, I've talked to four mentors, I've been in my, my prayer time. I've talked to my small group. I still haven't heard anything. But you know what? Whatever. We're here. Let's go. Where are we going? Okay. Has anybody ever been with a, a random season with Jesus where you feel like no answered prayers? Anybody ever been there? That's a decision for you to stay. You're here this morning. That's a decision. When you walk through a random season where you don't know what God is doing and you don't really know why he's doing it, but you're still here, that's a decision. That's not just a feeling. And here's what I want to tell you. If you rely on your feelings, then you're going to be severely disappointed. Because here's what I'll tell you, okay? I got two babies now and a wife. I don't always feel like getting out of bed. Anybody with me? Anybody know? Maybe you have a husband for like five years and you're like, I just 20 years, I just don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't always feel like going to church. I would have loved to go to Muddy's this morning. I don't always feel like doing quiet time in the morning. I don't always feel like praying, if I'm being honest with you. But that's a decision. And disciples make decisions, not crowds. Crowds are in it for the, incon are in it for the convenience, but disciples are in it for the inconvenience. They're in it even though things don't make sense. They're still here. Disciples can choose to stay. And the last one is this, and then I'll be finished. Number four is this. Disciples get the revelation. 
disciples get the revelation. I want you to imagine with me being in church that day where Jesus' sermon was, eat me, okay? And all six of his points were, eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me, and by the way, eat me. I want you to imagine that after this sermon is over, many of his disciples have walked away. They have deserted him, but there's some other guys that have decided to just stay. They don't have the revelation of what communion is yet, but they, they've decided to stay. And they're thinking to themselves, are you leaving? No, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Well, I'm not leaving either. So uh, what does that mean? Well, I guess it means we're going to eat them. I mean, that's what he's been telling us. I mean, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what we're going to do, but the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And so, I mean, if we take this principle, we can probably get them down. I mean, I know we're supposed to have Christ in us, but I didn't, you know. So because John is the only gospel out of the four where he records all of Jesus's earthly ministry, I want you to imagine that for the next 12 to 18 months, no matter what Jesus is doing, no matter where he's going, all these miraculous signs at the back of your mind, you know that you're going to have to eat this dude. I want you to imagine getting down to the last year, the last months, the last weeks, the last days, and then Jesus starts to put out this rhetoric of it's time for the Son of Man to lay down his life. It's time for him to be poured out like a drink offering. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's getting close. Peter, listen, you've already said something amazing. You've got to take the first bite. He loves you. He loves you. You've got to take the first bite. You've got to do it, okay? And then we're getting down to the last day, and Jesus is like, hey, listen, we've got to have the last supper, okay? And so go into town, find the man with the water pot on his head, and tell him to prepare the upper room because we're going to eat this meal together. And people are like, oh, my We're going to have to eat this guy, like for real. I didn't know he was serious. I mean, is he just gonna lay across the table? I mean, I don't know. What you think, Dad? I mean, what would you do? And then he takes some bread, like the day he fed the crowd, and he broke it, and he blessed it, and he handed it out, and he said, take, eat, this is my body. This is your body? This is what you were talking about. You know we were going to eat you, dude. This is your body. Oh, oh, my goodness. This is so good. Then he takes the wine. He pours it and says, drink. This is my blood. Oh, my gosh. Let me dip it in there. Oh, let's go. You know, pour up. Let's go. You know, this is what we were going to. We were going to eat you, dude. You know that? So wait, 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 wait a minute. Okay, okay. This whole thing about eating you, you were talking about bread? Yeah, what do you think I was talking about? But thank you for sticking around long enough to get the revelation. You may not get the revelation when you want it, how you want it, but I can guarantee you that if you stick around long enough with Jesus, you will understand why you are going through the pain, why you're going through the struggle, why you're going through a period of silence, why you have to go through the wilderness. Forest Park, you don't leave when you don't understand. That's when you dig in and make your decision that you're gonna stick around to find out why. Think about all the people that just wanted blessings from God, but they just left. 
And these disciples are sitting in the upper room and they're like, man, this is what you meant. Disciples don't always know and they can choose to leave. But if you make the decision to stay, you're gonna get a revelation with God in ways that you never thought possible, but stick with him. And here's the deal, I'm almost finished. Some of you in this room, for whatever reason, have never had a revelation with Jesus. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow him. Maybe you're in this room and you call Forest Park your home and you've been here and I love that for you. Stay dug in, continue to be here, invite people to be here with you. But maybe you're in this room and you've never had a decision to follow Jesus. I wanna encourage you today that however Forest Park does this, maybe you're watching online, to have a relationship with Jesus. Because it's gonna be really hard for you to battle the worst parts of life without somebody in your corner. I promise to you, I have been there. I have been in places in my life where I don't know what God is doing. I don't know where he is. It's silent, it's frustrating, it's hurtful, it's irritating. But I promise you, there is a revelation on its way promise you. So please trust me when I say that God has a plan for your life. And I'm not trying to be super emotional for effect. Okay. I promise you, God has a plan for your life. And if you stick with him long enough, you will get that revelation. I promise you disciples make decisions to stay even when it's difficult. Let's pray. And then we'll be dismissed today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everybody in this room, Jesus. Thank you that we get to make decisions, even when it's difficult to follow you. We get to make a decision. Allow us to be with you. Allow us to see your plan. Even if it's foggy, allow us to remember that you are with us and you have never left us one day at a time. I pray for everybody in this service. I pray that you give them encouragement, that you give them strength, and that you allow them to remember that no matter what they've gone through, you are with them. Even if they feel like they've walked away, they can come back this morning. We love you, Jesus. And we're so grateful to be in your presence. In your name that I pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for letting me be with you today. Pastor Scott. Thank you, Evan. That's good, man. Disciples don't always know. Disciples can leave. Disciples can stay. But disciples get the revelation. Hang in there. Truth is on its way. Hang in there. You'll finally understand what you've been going through. And you will understand that God's always, always, always had your back. He's never walked away. Not one time. Good stuff. Listen, if you are new to Forest Park, we are so glad you're here today. What a great day for you to come and be a part. We want to know that you've been here. So we have a gift that we want to provide you with. So on your way out today, if you've got a time, if you've taken the time to fill the little welcome home card, it's a white card. It's either in front of you or behind you. You can fill that out and drop it off at the information center on your way out. Or if you're going down this hallway, maybe you go to get your children from KidVenture. We also have a little stand there. We have a guest services person there as well. You can drop your card off there, pick up your gift there. Either door you go out, we have a gift for you. We just want to say thanks for being here. 
You're not obligated to do anything. Nobody's going to come to your house, nothing like that. We just want to say thanks. Thanks for being here. Here's a gift. Get to know us a little bit, and maybe we can get a chance to get to know you as well. One thing I do want to make you aware of is this coming Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, we're having our worship celebration, the end of the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we've had here at Forest Park. We're going to have some worship time. We're going to have prayer time. We're going to have a little bit of sharing time as well over some things that have happened maybe over the last three weeks in your life. Uh, child care is available this Tuesday evening, so it's one hour, seven to eight. We'll do the best we can to keep it right at an hour. So we'd love to have you come as we wrap up the 21 days and be a part of it, all right? So that's this coming Tuesday evening, 7 p.m., right here in the auditorium, all right? I hope you have an incredible day. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you again real soon. Thank you.